You may be seated. And as you are, I'll release the children through grade four. They're classes where they're waiting. Wasn't it great to hear them sing this morning if you were here early? Thank you, choir worship leaders, for taking us into the presence of the Lord in worship. I love that. Colossians chapter 3 today. Colossians chapter 3. We're continuing in a series, and that series is we're looking at who we are as Calvary. And who we are as Calvary, and what does that mean for each one of us? And we've started with saying that we are about helping to draw and connect people to Jesus. Drawing and connecting people to Jesus. So it's our prayer that if you're here today and you have never been connected to Jesus, that in some way, somehow, today, you will be drawn and connected to Him. And if you are connected to Jesus, that somehow, some way, you'll be connected even more fully. And we realize that in each one of our lives, the things that we have to do is to help draw and connect people to Jesus as we go out into the world. And that's what we started with. And, and then, last few weeks, we've been looking at this fact that once you become a child of God, once you've entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ, He places within you a heart of worship. And that heart of worship, we believe, is revealed in several ways. And we've been looking at those ways over the last few weeks. A couple of weeks ago, Pastor Doug looked at the, the truth that a heart of worship is, um, is revealed through contentment in Christ, as we are content in Christ. And then the next week, he looked at a heart of worship has a genuine, passionate concern for the lost. And then last week, we looked at the, the truth that a heart of worship is one that, that, that takes seriously careful stewardship. Today, we're going to look at the truth that a heart of worship reveals itself through a hunger for personal holiness, a hunger for personal holiness. And that's an exciting topic, isn't it? The verse at the top of the page there It says, make every effort to live at peace with all men and to be holy. For without holiness, no one will see the Lord. I'm looking forward to seeing the Lord. Are you? Well, that means I need holiness. Now, truth be told... When I start talking about holiness, you begin to think of a whole list of things, right? You're probably thinking of a whole list of things you can't do and a whole list of things you can do. And if as long as you're doing things you can do and not doing things you can't do, then you're going to be holy. Don't drink, smoke, chew. Don't go out with girls that do. Right? Get those lists down pat and we're all good to go. Could I suggest that holiness is something much, much more and much deeper than that? Holiness is not what you do. It's who you are. The big idea for today is that personal holiness is being who you are. The songs that that the choir and the the worship team and and the brass and the musicians and Pastor Mark that you led us to focused on the fact that, that God is holy. And we understand that because God's holy, he does holy things. But first and foremost, God is holy. It's who he is. And all that he is flows from that first, his holiness. And for us to be in his presence 
This verse tells us we need to have that holiness. Wow. Think about that. So, make every effort. Make every effort. What is it that you strive for intentionally? Yeah, we can get distracted. And we can get thinking about a whole lot of things and not intentionally do something. But here in this word, God calls us to strive every effort towards this thing called personal holiness. So let's see today if we can find out a way where we can begin to live out who we are. Personal holiness, being who you are. Colossians chapter 3 is where we're going to start. Colossians 3, right at verse 1. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated. At the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Looking forward to that day, are you? Our first point for today is that death brings life. Death brings life. And, And the verses that Pastor Mark brought us to in that song, death is crushed to death. Death is crushed to death. See, in us, death has to be put to death. And you're like, what does that mean? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, in the, in the King James says, And you hath he quickened who are dead in your trespasses and sins. See, that's where this starts. We need to be quickened. We need to be brought to life. We need to have Christ to be the life in us. Death has to bring life. And, and the truth is that we're born into death. We're born into sin and we're born into death, this separation from God because of, because of the sin in our lives. And, and until we come to a point where, where we die with Christ, and, and if you look right up at chapter 2, verse 20, it says, since you died with Christ. And then he says, since you have been raised with Christ. You see, those two things go hand in hand and they're, they're like this, where, where you die with Christ and then you're raised with him. Because of the power of his resurrection, we know that we can have life. So this idea that we can be hidden with him, to be hidden with Christ. And because of that, we keep our minds and our hearts focused on the things above on Christ, where Christ is seated. Because you see, Christ is seated next to God, which places him in the position of authority. He is in the position of authority. Not over just the world, but of over you and me. And he's seated next to the right hand of the Father. And as I focus my mind and my heart on that, I recognize that he's in authority over my life and that that's a good thing. To have him be the one who's in authority over my life because he's the one who brings life. He brings life. And I'm hidden with him. Psalm 17 talks about about being hidden in the shelter of his wing. I love that. What a great visual. You know, we've probably all seen those pictures where, where the chicks are huddled under the wing of a of an of a eagle or whatever it is and they poke their head out and, and they begin to feel the danger and so they tuck their head back in again. There are so many things I want to be hidden from. 
There are so many things that, that I want to be saved from. And that's what Jesus does. He wraps me and he protects me. He, sa- he keeps me safe as I remain under the shadow of his wing, as I remain hidden in him. So are you focused on things above? Has death become life for you? Have you come to a point in your life where you've recognized that your sin has separated you from God and you need a Savior? And you have trusted in Jesus as your Savior. Ask for forgiveness for your sin and stepped into a brand new relationship with him. If so, then death has been crushed to death in your life. And you have a new life. And that life is in Christ. And that's where personal holiness begins. And so some questions. Have you died to yourself so that you can live for Christ? And are you hidden in him? Are you hidden in Christ? Because personal holiness is being who you are. The next point we see is that there's no place for old desires. Verses 5 through 9. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived. But now you must rid yourself of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. Okay, so there's the list, right? There's the list of don'ts. And we can slip into reading this as a list of don'ts and then we can begin to try to polish ourselves up so that on the outside we look like that. But understand that that's not how it works. And that's what Paul is saying here. He's saying, you got to put that to death. Just put it to death and take it off because you used to walk in that. That's what you used to do, but you don't do that anymore. See, if you have come into a relationship with Christ, that's not who you are. That's who you used to be. But listen, those things are still inside of you because understand they're part of your old self. Your old self. And your old self is what you're born with. It's that part of you that, that, that is connected with Adam in that it chooses to do the things that are opposed to God. That old self of yours is who you are born being. I have a dear two-year-old granddaughter, and she's cute as a button, but guess what? She can get angry and rage Anybody else seen a two-year-old get mad like that? Man, and she's living out the truth that old desires live within our old self. As a matter of fact, they are the defining characteristics of our old self. These things that Paul lists here, and in so many other lists in scriptures, what these are is these are a list of the defining characteristics of our old self so that we can recognize and know who that old self is so that we can stop doing it. Because those are things that belong to who we used to be, not who we are. But see, your old self, listen, your old self can never be good. It is what we call totally depraved. There is nothing good within your old self at all. It is irreparable. 
It cannot be fixed here on earth, and God doesn't want it in heaven. There is nothing within your old self that is pleasing to God at all. And these are the defining characteristics of that old self. These are the things that let us see who this old self is. And and there's no place for those things. Because these things of the old self, they're insatiable. They cannot be satisfied ever. As soon as you give in to them, they want more. And that's what Paul talks about in the first chapter of Romans. You continually want more and more and more. These old desires of your old self. And Paul lists them here, and he says, these are, these are the things that you've taken off, that you've put to death. And the idea here is, is kind of like clothes. You take off these old clothes, and you put on some new ones. Tony Evans reveals in his study of this time that Paul was writing this letter that one of the punishments for murder was that they would take the person who you killed and they would strap that person to you, tie it around, so that as the decay began to go into that body, the decay would go into your body and would decay you from the inside out. Isn't that special? Think about that. See, that's the picture here. This old self with these old desires, you've put that to death. You've put it to death. Now, can you explain to me why we pick it back up and hold on to it so that the decay can come into our new self? I haven't been able to explain why I do that other than the fact that these desires are so insatiable. And that's why Paul reveals these things to us here, I believe. So, some questions. Have I been able to put to death the things that have been so alive in who I used to be and still seem to want to live in me? Have I been able to put those things to death? Do I see those things as sins that bring the wrath of God and that they're part of my old self? Do I see that they're the things that allow me to see when I'm giving power to my old self? See, they bring the wrath of God. The wrath of God comes on us because of the old desires of our old self. And it's because they're sin and, they're, and, they, and they, are, they are far outside the plan of God and they're the things that bring the pain of God and they're the things that bring the death of Jesus Christ to pay the penalty for those things. And the, and the wrath of God comes upon us, and, that, and that's displayed through the consequences of those things. You could say, well, sounding a little hopeless there, Chuck. Let's keep reading, shall we, Lynn? Because it gets better. Verse 10 and 11. You've put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge and in the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is in, is all, and is in all. See, Christ is all and is in all. In this, in this new body that we've become a part of, because once we come into that place where we've trusted Jesus Christ as our Savior, we become a part of the body of Christ. We become members of his body, and, and in him we're all the same. We're all equal. I love that. It doesn't matter who you are, and that's the point of this, is that we all had these old desires. But Jesus Christ has come to make us a brand new creation. 
If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And you say, well, if the old is gone, how come I still have all these old desires within me? What's gone? Why isn't that gone? What's gone is the fact that you now have a choice. See, before you trust Christ, you have no choice but to live within your old self because all you have is your old self. And your old self cannot please God because all it does is the old desires. That's all it does. All it does is contrary to God. Chapter 1 of Colossians, in verse 21. Do you mind if I personalize this? Once I was alienated from God and I was his enemy in my mind because of my evil behavior. But now he has reconciled me by Christ's physical body through death to present me holy in his sight without blameless and free from accusation. Who? I'm a new creation. Are you a new creation? Because now you see what happens is I have a new self, a new self, it says, that I can put on, put on this new self. So now that I've taken off the old, I can put on the new, and this new self is being renewed constantly. It's an ongoing passive thing. This constant renewal, because of the presence of Jesus Christ in my life, a constant renewal of my new self placing new desires within me. A new creation. And this new self, this new self is is from Christ. And, and, And you see that that it takes on the image of its creator. Oh, we understand that we're all made in the image of God. But as we take on this new self, we become conformed to the image of Christ. We used to wear bracelets that said, what would Jesus do? Instead, who would Jesus be? We're being conformed to his image as we continually give ourselves over to this new self. You see that? Now, this new self is is united with Christ. Our old self is united with Adam in sin. It's rooted in evil. It's rooted in evil. It's characterized by sin and death. But this new self is united with Christ. It's one with Christ. And it's rooted in his righteousness. And it's, it's characterized by life and liberty and freedom. Wow, which would you prefer? New self, old self. I love the new creation. Do you? So some questions. Is myself being renewed in the knowledge of God? And am I being transformed into the image of the creator of my new self? See, it's all about Christ. That's what Paul makes so clear in this book of Colossians, is it's all about Christ. It's all about staying focused on him. It's keeping my mind and my heart focused on him. It's keeping myself focused on him because he is the author of my life. He is the author of my new self. So, we now have a whole new set of desires. The new self brings a whole new set of desires. Here they are. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, Clothe yourself. See the clothing? Here's what we're going to clothe ourselves with. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. Forgive whatever grievances you have against each other. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, 
which binds them together in perfect unity. So you see the contrast between the old self and the new self? And again, if we get into this idea that holiness is a list of doing what, what we do and not do and those kinds of things, then here are the things we're all supposed to be trying to do. Okay, but if we get into that, you see what happens is all we're doing is we're trying to take that old self and polish it up and make it look good. Right, and that doesn't work. Because you can't do it because the old self will only deceive you into thinking you're doing good things when you're not. You're just feeding the old self, which is totally opposed to God. So we jump into this and we see that these aren't things that we do. These are things that we are. These are the things that Jesus Christ reveals through us by his spirit within us. So here it is. Look at the comparison, will you? Verse 9 and verse 12. We'll look back and forth at the comparison between the old self and the new self. Anger or compassion. Rage or kindness. Malice or humility. Slander or gentleness. Filthy language or patience. Which ones of those do you want to have be the defining characteristics of your life? Which ones are the defining characteristics of your life? Suppose you look in the mirror in the morning. Terry, you look in the mirror and you say, I'm holy. You ever do that? Merle, you ever look in the mirror and say, I am holy. You think of yourself as holy? Tom? Listen, if you're not seeing yourself as holy, then we have to take verse 12 out of Scripture. Because what does it say there? It says, listen, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. You are holy. And if you think less than that of yourself, you're listening to a lie from the pit of hell. And the pretender prince has you convinced that you are less than who Jesus Christ says you are. Do you understand that? You are holy and dearly loved, chosen by God. Do you understand how much God loves you? Dearly loved by God. Holy in his sight. We understand that's the holiness of Christ that he sees in us, but that's what he's placed in us. And that's who he sees. And listen, if you don't see yourself as that, then you will spend your life living down to Satan's opinion of who you are instead of living up to God's knowledge of who you are. Thank you. Do you see how we live defeated lives because we listen to the deceiver of our souls? We look in the mirror and we say, oh man, I wish I could be holy, but I can't. Fooey. Can't use filthy language. My old self would have said something different. You understand he's your enemy. 
You understand he hates you. You understand he wants you to believe that you are, are just worthless. That's not who you are. That's not who you are. You are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. You are a child of the king and you will share in his glory. You are holy in the sight of God. All you got to do is live that way. It's really not that hard. It's deciding to be who I am. It's deciding to look in the mirror and say, I'm holy, I'm not going to live an unholy life. Because I'm holy, I'm going to, I'm going to do the new desires of my life, not those old desires. But see, we live defeated lives. Oh, so many times I look and I think, I'm not worthy. And Jesus says, yes, you are. I have made you worthy. Go live a holy life. Be holy because I am holy, is what God says to us. He says, of course you can be holy. You're just living me out of your life. It's like, okay, I can get that. Can you? Do you see how this changes when it doesn't become a list of what I have to do or don't do, when it becomes an outpouring of who I am and I see myself the way God sees me, do you see how that changes it? And how it becomes not only possible, but exciting? I love it. I'm trying to hold it all in. Okay. Questions. Do I see that personal holiness is really just me living out my new self, joyfully pure, Joyfully pure in the power and the presence of God as one of his dearly loved ones. See, because that's what it's all about is the presence of God. If I don't have a personal holiness, I will not see the Lord. If I'm going to be in the presence of God, I need to be holy because holiness is what's required to be in his presence. He lives in a high and holy place. And he doesn't allow unholiness within his presence and so my unholiness, my choosing to live out those old desires that keep dragging me down into that place that I don't want to go, those impact my ability to be in the presence of God fully and completely. Personal holiness is being who you are. Our last point today is that gratitude for rescue is the cause for the response Gratitude for rescue is the cause for the response. So as you read those verses in 20, uh, chapter 1, verses 21 and 22, and you realize that rather than being alienated from God as enemies, you've been brought and reconciled into his very presence. You're like, wow, I am so thankful for that. And so that's what Paul bursts into here in verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. What a great sentence. And be thankful. Do you struggle memorizing scripture? You can do this one. And be thankful. Think of it when you go to the Chinese restaurant and you open the fortune cookie, you will have great success in life. And be thankful. How many things that happen in your life would become much more focused on things above if you put at the end and be thankful. Live in an age where it's this sense of entitlement. 
or I don't have to be thankful for anything because I deserve it. All these things are rights, you know? We're fighting for rights, and are they really rights? Or are they just these things that I think I should get without saying thank, thank you? Are you thankful? Is it something that permeates your being? Because if you're going to be someone who has a deep hunger for personal holiness, you have to have a heart of gratitude. You have to understand the price that was paid so that you could have a new self that doesn't give itself over to those old desires. Be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. Sing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts towards God. Were you able to do that this morning? Were you able to worship in that time as we were singing the songs? Were you able to sing and worship and and praise God with a deep sense of gratitude in your life? Was that what was pouring through you as you you sat and considered the beautiful truths of all of the words that were spoken there? And whatever you do, whatever you do, whatever you do, do it all. Whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. There's the key. There's the key. We understand it's all about Jesus. It's all about God. It's all about Christ. He's the very center of everything. And I am so incredibly thankful and grateful for all he's done. What level of sin are you comfortable with in your life? What level of sin are you comfortable with in your life? Now, I wrote that question down, and then I erased it, because I didn't like that question. But then I wrote it again. See, personal holiness requires that there's not even a hint of this in your life. Not even a hint of the old desires and the old self. What level of sin are you comfortable with? Uh, You know me. You know I talk about speeding. And if you go one mile an hour over, you're sinning. Now you can argue with that if you want, but you know, I'll show you the scriptures. It's okay. Are you comfortable going one mile over? Two miles over? Three? Are you comfortable with that level of sin in your life? And do you think that doesn't impact your holiness? There's a new show on television. It's called The New Normal. I haven't watched it, but I've seen a commercial, and I have a pretty good idea of what it's about. Guess what? It's about the old normal. It's not about the new normal. This is the new normal. That's about the old normal. And that's been being done since the Garden of Eden. There's nothing new about it. It's still despicable to God. And it still brings his wrath. And listen, if you watch it, really? You're going to let that garbage go in your minds? There's a general who's been in the news for the last couple weeks doing all of these things. and, And the media talks about how terrible all those things are. But then at night, they put on shows that show how great those things are. You watching those shows? You think adultery is bad? Do you watch shows that have adultery in it? What are you reading? 
I saw where Twilight was released, the final episode of Twilight has been released, and there were people waiting in line to watch the first showing of it, and they're going to be showing it 17 times a day in the theater. Do you know what Twilight's about? Old self or new self, which desires to watch that? See, that's what this hunger for personal holiness is. Hunger for personal holiness is this idea that I will determine what it is in my life that is put there because of my old desires and which is put there because of my new desires, my new self. And I will choose to live according to my new self. Can't wink at sin. God doesn't wink at sin. God puts his son on the cross because of sin. If you have a level of sin that you're comfortable with in your life, and we all do, we need to check that. You see that? Because personal holiness allows us to move into the very presence of God. Isn't it great to know it's not something we do? It's a choice to live who we are. Now, the song that we're going to sing as we close here is is a special song. It talks about going into the holy of holies. And you may not understand exactly what this is, but this goes back to the Old Testament and the tabernacle that was built. And the tabernacle and the temple that was, was following that footprint, this tabernacle had within it this place which was called the Holy of Holies. It was the place where the Ark of the Covenant was. It was the mercy seat of God. It was, it, was, it was behind three feet of veils, a maze that would allow once a year the high priest to go in and offer a blood uh, sprinkling for the, for the atonement of sin. The Holy of Holies. And the cleansing process that needed to happen in order for that high priest to enter into that place was so significant and only once a year there were bells that were put on the bottom of his robe in case he went in there in such a way that he was not holy and he dropped they would know that he was dead in there that's the God who you worship how many times are we tempted to walk into the presence of God with some degree of holiness We stand before him with that level of of allowable sin in our lives and, and we ignore that and we stand before him and we wonder why we're having trouble being in his presence. Listen, without holiness, you won't see the Lord. You see that? So as you consider moving into that holy of holies, the most holy place, because you see, what's so beautiful about it is that Jesus Christ, when he died, that curtain was torn in two. And we now have access into that place, but don't think that the criteria is any less than it used to be. It still is personal holiness to be in the presence of God. Don't settle for less. Don't listen to the lie from Satan that you are less because you're not. Live who you are. God, as we sing this song and we consider coming past all the things that would keep us from you and walking right into your very presence. Let us enter there in a different way today, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.